Welcome. If you're visiting, my name is Ed, and I'm one of the pastors here at Gateway. I recently read about a man and his wife who were on a strict diet, and they sat down at their table for a meatless, carbless, and very healthy meal. It was all steamed and green, and the man looked at what was before him, and he said, you better say the blessing, because if I do it, the Lord will know I'm lying. (laughs) This week, we celebrate Thanksgiving, and a big part of that is going to be food, and part of it will be family for most of us, or good friends. For many of us, this is a warm family tradition. You perhaps look forward to it. For others of us, it can be a difficult time, either because our family situation is challenging or because of grieving the absence of those who are not with us. So as we're mindful of that, let's go to the Lord in prayer to kick our time off together. Let's pray. Father, we are really thankful. Hear us this morning as we choose thanks. And for some of us, Lord, in spite of our circumstances, we choose thanks and we, we choose to give all that we know of ourselves to all that we know of you today. I pray that you would speak to us, touch us this morning. We make ourselves available to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So once in a while here at Gateway, we will do something that I like to call groupletizing. Okay. It is backed by popular demand, and here's the way we do that. You turn your chairs into circles of four, not more than seven. Some of you are thinking, he doesn't mean literally, yes. And then I'm going to give you some questions that you're going to answer with one another. These are easy, don't worry. The first thing you need to do in your circle is make sure that you know everybody's name in your circle. So, circle up, let's go. Groupletize. Now, here is your first question. If you grew up in a country outside of the United States that did not celebrate Thanksgiving, what was the holiday or family tradition that was closest in purpose and feel to Thanksgiving? And if you grew up with Thanksgiving, then what are your memories of it between the ages of 6 and 10? Go. All right, wrap it up. Why don't you add on to the end of that last question, answer this question as well as you're finishing up that first question. What is your favorite, if you've been here for any time at all and experienced Thanksgiving, whether you grew up with it or not, what is your favorite Thanksgiving food? Real quickly, just go around the circle. What's your favorite Thanksgiving food? Okay, it doesn't take that long to say cream corn. Okay, next question. Why do you think most people in our area are not more thankful? And you may disagree with the question. You may think, well, they are. But why do you think most people in our area are not more thankful? This gives you an opportunity to wax poetic. All right, go. Okay, wrap up your answer. Last question. Okay, let's admit it. Some of us have sunnier, happier dispositions than others of us. And for some of us, thanksgiving, being able to give thanks comes more naturally. The others of us have other strengths. But for some of us, you know, thanksgiving comes more naturally. We're not as sunny. So let's get personal just for a second. Last question, why are you not more thankful? Let me give you some options. One, my personality. Two, my background. You don't need to explain. 
Three, my circumstances. Things have been tough lately. Four, other. You may have another explanation. Or five, I generally think I'm pretty thankful. And don't snooze on that. If you are, you know, say so. I want to add one more. You can say, you know, I don't know, which is a nice way of saying none of your business. So <laughs> go around the circle. Why are you not more thankful? I notice there's less talking this time. So let's return to our seat and or turn our chairs around. All right. What is Thanksgiving for us suburban Christians? I don't mean the holiday. I mean the idea of giving thanks. What is that about for those of us who are suburban Christians? Because we live, in the main, we live extraordinarily fortunate lives. We are very blessed. And then on top of that, we have people, kind of like me, who make us feel guilty for not being more thankful. So what is Thanksgiving for us? Because we face many difficulties and challenges. Some of you are fiercely challenged right now, financially or physically or relationally. What is Thanksgiving for us? By the way, it's an awesome and incredible thing that this holiday is officially government-sanctioned U.S. holiday. I mean, that's crazy. In 1863, in the middle of America's Civil War, Abraham Lincoln established a National Day of Thanksgiving. At the time of its establishment, President Lincoln said this, and I'm going to quote him, No human counsel has devised, nor hath any mortal hand worked out these great things. They are the gracious gifts of the Most High God, who, while dealing with us in anger for our sins, hath nevertheless remembered mercy. Lincoln declared that on this day we should implore Almighty God to continue to bless us as we offer thanks to him for blessings already bestowed. Crazy. And in declaring an official Thanksgiving Day, Lincoln built into our national rhythm, the rhythm of our country, an important spiritual habit. In fact, I'd say giving thanks is more than an important spiritual habit. It is an essential integral part of a vital Christian life. For us suburban Christians, Thanksgiving isn't an event. It isn't a family tradition or a national holiday. For us, Thanksgiving is a lifestyle. And not because we have so much. Not because we're so blessed. No, Thanksgiving is a lifestyle because of the God we serve and because of his impact on our lives. So I want to read this morning a short passage of scripture that a number of years ago was really important to me, knocked me out in my own understanding of God and my connection to him, my spiritual life. It really was very impactful to me. It's from a little prophet in the Old Testament. His name is Habakkuk. And Habakkuk is struggling throughout his book. And then at the very end, he has a song of worship and thanksgiving. And uh, that song just rocked me. I want to read that this morning. We'll reflect on it briefly. We'll talk just really quickly about kind of the circumstances surrounding Habakkuk and surrounding this song of thanksgiving. And then we're going to make that one point again. The Don't miss this point. If you miss everything else, don't miss this. Thanksgiving for us is a lifestyle. So we're going to read Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 16 through 19. And Just hear this. It's so extraordinary. And if you would, let's go out of old school and stand out of reverence for God's word. Habakkuk 3, verses 16 through 19. And let's hear this. 
I heard and my heart pounded. My lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept in my bones. My legs trembled. He's facing overwhelming circumstances. I'll just tee that up really quickly for us in a minute, what the circumstances were. But look at this. Yet, I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, Though there are no sheep in the pen, no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer, and Habakkuk is imagining a deer bounding up the side of a rocky cliff, a cliff that would have taken him enormous energy to climb and get over the rocks, and the deer just bounds up it easily. The Lord has made my feet like the feet of a deer, and he enables me to tread on the heights. You may be seated. Now, the book of Habakkuk was written against a backdrop of apostasy and a sense of God judging and unbelievable hardship for the nation of Judah. The most powerful country in the world at the time, Babylon, was clearly beginning to set its sights on Judah And this was trouble, and the entire ancient world knew it, especially the ancient Near East. When Babylon began to rumble through a country, they left devastation behind them. And the entire world knew this, Judah included. The Babylonians were unusually cruel, fierce and cruel. When their army went through, they were compared to locusts. They were wiping everything out. They had made an art and a science out of devastating the protected walled cities of the ancient Near East. Often what they would do is surround, bombard, and then wait and starve the people literally to death. Whole populations, when they were taken over, the Babylonians would transport them to another part of their kingdom to just ensure that insurrection couldn't follow, couldn't rise up again. They would kill, and who they didn't kill, they would transport to another part of the world. They did that to Judah as well. This was all happening during the reign of King Jehoiakim. He was the king of Judah at the time. And Jehoiakim had already aroused the concern and the ire of God's prophets, people like Habakkuk, because he had led the people back into idolatry and away from the Lord. Now, it was clear to Habakkuk that God was preparing to judge the nation. That much was obvious. But Habakkuk couldn't understand why God would use a heathen nation like Babylon to do it. He couldn't understand why God wouldn't just purge their sins and draw them back to himself into righteousness. Habakkuk argued his case, but in the end, Habakkuk realized that God is sovereign. He does what he wants. And Habakkuk realized that God is not to be worshipped because of material or physical blessing. God is not to be worshipped because of material or physical blessings. God is to be worshipped and thanked simply for who he is. He is the God who will ultimately bring justice. All things will ultimately be made right. And in the now, God is to be trusted as God, despite my circumstances. So Habakkuk 
ended his prophecy and his argument with that song of thanksgiving to God for who God is and for the unchanging benefits that belong to those who know him as God. Habakkuk had reason to feel confused, angry, fretful, but he chose instead to worship and be thankful. Now, the key words of these verses, obviously, are though, or although, or even though, and yet. Habakkuk is saying, I don't understand all that's happening to us, God. Are you really going to allow utter devastation? Are you going to allow these horrible people, these cruel and godless pagans to overrun your people, your city, your temple? This could be the end of us. Why? How could you allow that? I'm confused and afraid, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. Though the fig tree does not bud and no grapes are on the vine, though the circumstances appear to be overwhelming, though I don't see any reason to hope circumstantially, though we are starving, yet I will rejoice. I will give thanks. This is exactly what the Apostle Paul advocated in 1 Thessalonians 5 when he said this. Paul said, rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And I don't know if you've ever, as a follower of Christ, struggled with what is God's will? What does he want me to do in this circumstance? You can always go to this. It's always his will to rejoice and to pray and to give thanks in all circumstances. And let's acknowledge right away, this is not a charge to you and I to blindly deny all of the bad things that are going on. It doesn't mean that we close our mind and our heart to all the difficult circumstances. The Bible is really clear about difficult circumstances. Some of you are familiar enough with the Psalms to know that the psalmist will cry out regularly to God, how long, O Lord, in angst and impatience? Jeremiah, one time in Jeremiah chapter 20, surrounded by the most difficult of circumstances, Jeremiah says, oh Lord, you deceived me and I was deceived. You overwhelmed me and I was overwhelmed. There was a thorn in Paul's life. Some of you will remember that. He prayed about it multiple times, he said, and it never went away. In Matthew 26, 38, Jesus said, my soul is overwhelmed to the point of death. We're not talking about denial here. These are not the voices of denial. But in the end, we thank him anyway. As an act of our will, as a decision, and more than that, as a lifestyle, we thank him. We thank him in all circumstances. Giving thanks is a lifestyle for us suburban Christians. It's just what we do. And don't miss this. Not because we're so blessed. Let's relieve ourselves of any guilt about this, if there is any. There is no greater burden on us to be thankful than there is on any other Christ follower. It's a matter of choice. It's a lifestyle for all of us who follow Jesus as Lord. For us suburban Christians, Thanksgiving is a lifestyle. It's what we do no matter what's going on around us. Blessing, difficulty, we thank Him. I want to say one more word about Thanksgiving before we end this morning. Two weeks ago, we talked about worry. And there's much for many of us to be worried about. 
But we realized that Jesus does not want us to be worried, and he offers us a life, we said, beyond worry. We talked about how that's the case. I want you to hear what Paul said about this reality. The Apostle Paul chimes in on that, reiterates Jesus' teaching on that, and he says this, and if you don't have this section marked in your Bible, you might want to consider it. Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. Paul says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. Hitting the same theme that we hit on earlier, I will say it again in case you miss it. Don't miss this. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I don't know about you, but I need that peace and want that peace, guarding my heart and guarding my mind. So did you see the key phrase? Rejoice, absolutely. Uh, Don't be anxious, yes. Offer your prayers and petitions to him. Don't hold on to them. Take them to him. All of your worries and all of your concerns, take them to him. And then for our purposes this morning, the key phrase, with thanksgiving. We present our petitions to him with thanksgiving. It's as if thanksgiving is a natural companion to prayer. And I think it is. It's as if thanksgiving actually helps facilitate the peace that God offers. As if thanksgiving does its part in driving away worry. Clearly, it's as if thanksgiving is a part of our lifestyle. There's a story told about Rudyard Kipling, who was a great British poet. He was also famous even during his lifetime, and he made a lot of money at his craft. Uh, Poets often don't, but Kipling did. Supposedly, a newspaper reporter came up to him once and said, Mr. Kipling, I just read that somebody calculated that the money you make from your writings amounts to over $100 a word. Kipling raised his eyebrows and said, really? I certainly wasn't aware of that. The reporter cynically reached into his pocket, pulled out a $100 bill and gave it to Kipling and said, here's a $100 bill, Mr. Kipling, now give me one of your words. Roger Kipling looked at the $100 bill, put it in his pocket and said, thanks. I believe thanks is more than a $100 word. I think it's priceless. And for us suburban Christians, we will offer thanks this week, not because we're so blessed, We are profoundly blessed, but that's not the cause of our thanksgiving. And we won't offer thanksgiving because we don't have to spend all year around weird Uncle Reggie. Remember, some of us are weird Uncle Reggie. For us, we give thanks because of who God is and because of his sovereign activity in the world, and we choose it. And as we do so, as it is a companion to our prayer, it helps usher in the peace of God, which passes all understanding. Okay, I'm going to ask you uh, one more weird favor, if I can, this morning. I told you uh, that Habakkuk uh, passage became important, uh, maybe even formative for me, earlier in my Christian life many years ago. I used to have the habit years ago of when I 
passage of scripture was important or formative for me, I would try to make up a song about it. These were very bad songs, but I would make up songs anyway as a, a, just a devotional exercise. And I did that with this passage, with this Habakkuk 3 passage. And I'm going to teach you this song as a way of just drilling this down for us. And we're going to end our time together by singing this. Here's the melody. I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in Yahweh my Savior. I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in Yahweh my God. Let's try that together. I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in Yahweh my Savior. I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in Yahweh my God. The Sovereign Lord is my strength. I need not fear. He makes my feet to be strong like the feet of a deer. Let's go to the top. I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in Savior, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in Yahweh my God. The sovereign Lord is my strength. I need not fear. He makes my feet to be strong like the feet of a deer. And he sets me on high places, high places. He makes my feet to be strong, and I walk on high places. And He sets me on high places. one time with me. I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in Yahweh my Savior. I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in Yahweh my God. The sovereign Lord is my strength. I my feet to be strong like the feet of a deer and he sets me and he sets me on high places high places he makes my feet to be strong and I walk on high places and he sets me on high places my feet to be strong and I walk on high places. Father, that is our prayer to you this morning. That you would give us 
the feet of a deer, that no matter the circumstance, we would bound across difficulty. I'm not ignoring it. We know it's there. We would jump across trial. We would dance through hardship because of who you are, because of what you've done. This morning, hear us as we say, thanks. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, So before we leave, let's just bow our head in one more word of prayer. Dear Lord, we just thank you for today and for everything you've blessed us with. We pray for your power to live like Jesus more and more every day. We pray that as a church and a community, we can grow to know you more. Be with us this week as many of us are traveling for the Thanksgiving holiday, and let us remember our true identity in you and everything that you've taught us. In your son's name we pray. Amen.